My prayer this morning, Lord, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Amen. So today's reading is the three wise men. Tomorrow is the Feast of Epiphany. I know that because it's Benjamin's birthday. My oldest son was born on the Feast of Epiphany. If you're uh, from a Hispanic church, they call it Little Christmas or Three Kings Day. Tomorrow, most of our uh, Hispanic students will not be in school because it's a huge celebration. And you remember that the wise men brought gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when my children were little, we did not talk about the fellow in the red suit as a real person. We talked about him as a fairy tale character like Peter Pan or Captain America. But we talked a lot about the three kings and how out of their, their hearts they gave gifts to the Lord. And then I'm thinking about Christmas's past and I got to tell you a couple stories. The first one is when I was seven years old, my family called my mother, as many families do, and they said, what, what does the boy want for Christmas? Or what does he need for Christmas? And my mother had a list of things, and she told them all, these are the things he needed. And number one thing on that list was a hairbrush. My uncle gave me a hairbrush, and my aunt gave me a hairbrush, and my grandfather gave me a hairbrush. By the end of Christmas, I had received seven hairbrushes. I did not want seven hairbrushes, but in the old days, if you remember, after Christmas, mom sat you down at the table with a pile of thank you notes, and you had to write thank you notes for all seven hairbrushes. So Uncle Jimmy was the last one to give me a hairbrush, and she came over, and she was looking over my shoulder, and this is exactly what it said. Dear Uncle Jim, thank you for my seventh hairbrush. I can use one hairbrush for every day of the week. Oh, my goodness. My life, as I knew it, was over at that moment in time. Sometimes the gifts we get, we don't really want. Church, that requires an amen. Okay. Now, I have found that it is equally as fun as a dad or as a husband to give really good gifts. And I'll tell you, in 1993, I was the chaplain at the Echelon Mall. And that's the year that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came out. It was on TV every day, and my boys got up, and they watched it. And then as soon as it was over, we put them on the bus for school, and off they would go. And, of course, they had to market the robots. And you could not find them anywhere. Not right now, sir. You couldn't find them anywhere. And I was the chaplain at the mall. I knew all the people in the toy store at KB and at Boscos and at Penny's and Macy's. And I looked everywhere and I'd go in and they'd say, Doc, they're not here. They're not here. And I had to go home and tell my son, sons, if there's one man in South Jersey that knows the mall, it's me. There are no mighty Morphin Power Rangers for Christmas. And I believe that, and I told them that. And I had them convinced, because I was convinced it would never happen. And the phone rings. And their grandmother, who lived in Harrisburg, was shopping at the Hess department store in Harrisburg. And there are piles of mighty Morphin Power Ranger robots. You know why? It wasn't on broadcast TV in Harrisburg. Nobody knew what they were. 
Oh my goodness, I said, send me one. So she sends me one. My sister says, get me one. So I became the South Jersey distributor of mighty Morphin Power Rangers robots. So now I've got my kids convinced that it's not coming. So I wrapped it up and I hid it next to the sofa. And I told them right up until Christmas morning, guys, you know, they're not at the mall. So I wasn't lying. You can't get them in South Jersey. Still not lying. We opened all the gifts and we had a very nice Christmas, but you could see they were a little bit sad. I said, what's this over here? And I pulled the box out and I put it down between them. It says, it says it's for both of you. And they opened it up and I wish we had a video camera because the look of abject joy, celebration, surprise, you name it. They were, ah, they were screaming, their faces were wild with happiness. And we still talk about that Christmas. That was an amazing gift. Some gifts you want, some gifts you don't. Now, I also had to have the uh, talk with my children about gifts, that it's not polite to open a card upside down. I love that face. So here we go. They went to a, a kid's birthday party, and the kid thought it was funny that when he got a card out of the envelope, he would open it upside down to see if any money came out. He didn't read the card. He just wanted to see if money came out or a check or something. And it took us a while to convince our sons that you have to be grateful to the person who gave you the gift, not just for the gift. So one of my favorite, and it's, it's an obscure, but it's one of my favorite Christmas stories. It's called The Bells of Christmas. It's a European Christmas story. And the story goes that there was a, a cathedral being built. And the man who designed and built the cathedral felt led by God to put a bell tower in with bells. But there were no ropes to ring the bells. And the tradition was that when a gift was given on the altar from a pure heart that the bells would ring. And when the first, when the church first was built, the bells rang on occasion, but they hadn't rung in a long time. It could have been decades, it couldn't be, could have been centuries. People could not remember the last time that the bells had rung. No gift of a pure heart had been given on the altar. So the king of the country said, this is the year we're going to have a celebration and everybody is going to bring their finest to this church and we are going to have the bells ring. This is the year. And they sent out a call to artists and artisans, bakers, painters, carvers, all over the, this, the country to bring their best to the church so that the bells would ring. And they lined up at the back of the church behind the king. And the king came down the aisle, center aisle, with his robes and his crown, and he took his crown off. The thing that made him the king, the mark of his royal rank, made out of gold and jewels, crafted by the finest craftsmen, and he set it on the altar. And everybody stopped and waited, for surely this was a gift that would ring the bells, and there was silence. And then the wealthiest man in the country came down with bags of gold, more money than any of us could spend in a lifetime or two or ten lifetimes, and he set it on the altar. And everybody waited, and the bells didn't ring. 
And the procession continued and there was an artist who had painted a landscape of the country. And the birds looked like they were actually flying. And if you got close enough, your mind would trick you into believing that you could smell the flowers. And he took this great work of art and he set it on the altar. And the bells didn't ring. And behind him, there were bakers with delicious treats. And there was a woodcarver who had done a crucifix for the front of the church where you could actually look at the face of God and feel the agony and the compassion mixed together. It would bring tears to your eyes to see how beautiful it was. And he laid that great work of art on the altar. And the bells didn't ring. Now far away from the church, out in the peasantry, there was a little boy named Pedro. And Pedro was one of these rock-kicking boys. Aw, shucks. There's nothing I could bring that would ring the bells. But he decided that he would go to hear the bells because everybody said this was the year they were going to ring. And he was walking to the church. He saw buried, half buried in the snow, a flower, the last flower of winter. It was as white as snow. He almost missed it. It had this fragrance that just settled you with peace. And he, he picked it gently and he carried it like only a little boy can. And he continued on the road to the church to hear the bells. When he got almost to the church, he found this little old lady who was sitting on the road crying. And he said, what's wrong? And she said, I, I had an offering for the church and I lost it in the snow, a little copper coin. So Pedro, without thinking of himself, set down the flower and he helped the old lady. And they dug in the leaves and they dug in the ice and the snow and they, they found the copper coin. She was ecstatic. And then Pedro looked, and in the search for the coin, his flower had been trampled. The lady said, I, I am too tired to go to the church after all of this. Said, Will you take my coin? And Pedro agreed to take the coin, but he was a little bit embarrassed, because what would one little copper coin do to ring the bells? He got to the church, and the, the bells hadn't rung, and all these glorious gifts were on the altar. And he sort of snuck down the aisle, tippy-toed, and just gently slipped the copper coin onto the altar. And the bells began to ring. And they rang and they rang and it filled the country with a song that said, a great gift has been given. On Christmas Eve, the bells rang and everybody said, what was it? Was it the crown? Was it the painting? Was it the carving? What made the bells ring? And they looked in the altar and they found a the little copper coin. And they found Pedro. And they heard the story that he gave all that he had, like the widow's might in the Bible. And God had honored that gift of a true heart by ringing the bells. The wise men today, I think, teach us that we need to have a giving heart. We need to be people that are willing to bring our finest and our best and our truest and lay it on the altar. We haven't talked about this in a while, but one of my favorite books is called Christian Atheist by Craig Rochelle. And at the end of the book, he talks about what it means to be a Christian and how, in his opinion, many Christians are only paying homage to God in their lip service, not in their life service. 
And he says, I want you to picture that there are three lines. And the first line of Christianity, and you cross that line and you say, I will believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior as long as it benefits me. I will go to church, I will celebrate, I will eat, I will sing, but that's where I draw the line. I, I will be a Christian as long as it benefits me. And it does benefit us. We have the kingdom of heaven and the blessings of God open to those who believe in his son, Jesus Christ. We have forgiveness from sins and life eternal. But God says there's more. So there's that second line that you can cross. The second line of faith, Craig Rochelle calls. He says that that's for people who believe in Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior and are willing to give as long as it's comfortable. I'll support the church with some of my time and some of my talent and some of my treasure. But I, I don't want it to interfere with my everyday life. I want to contribute, but as long as it's comfortable for me. And then that third line of faith says, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way that I want my entire life to be given for the work of the kingdom. I'm not in it for what it does for me. I'm not in it because it makes me comfortable. I'm in it because Jesus paid it all for me. All to him I owe. And now I'd like to add a Madison note to that. What, what this list says to me is that you have to have no but faith. Oh, that's but with one T. But here's how it works. Oh, it's Thursday night. We have Bible study. I want to go, but. Or I want to give. I really want to give. But I look at my checkbook and I look at my bills and I say, but. Or I want to serve. I really want to make the time, Lord. This is the year that I'm going to get involved and I'm going to really serve you. But. Or I want to read, or I want to pray, or I meditate more, or invite people more. But Jesus paid it all for you. He crossed that third line for us. And all he asks is that we would cross that third line for him. Will you decide today to serve Jesus with third line faith? No ifs, no ands. No buts. Amen.